0: First one is in Deuteronomy chapter six. This is one verse. It's in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number four. I'm be reading from the the New King James Version. Here's what it says: It says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." That was uh, in in the law. So let's look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter forty three, and I want to look at verses ten through eleven. Here's what Isaiah 43, 10-11 says. It says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Then the next passage I want to look at briefly is Luke's Gospel, chapter number 3. Luke's Gospel Chapter number 3, verse 22. Here's what it says. And this is Jesus' baptism, by the way. It says, And the Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that You would help us to to tackle this most difficult, uh, perplexing subject and make it easy and simple. Lord, uh, if there's anything significant that happens in our hearts tonight will not be because of my oratory skills but it'll be because of your power and your spirit working in people's hearts so lord i i just ask you to get myself out of the way and and let your spirit do his work in their life god i thank you for it in christ's name amen uh, tonight we're going to continue on our series we believe last week we we started down this journey. I told you it's going to be 16 weeks of solid theological truth. My endeavor is not to confuse you. My endeavor is to make this so simple that even a child could understand it. And so, um, over, like I said, the next few months, we're going to be looking at what we believe as a church, our doctrines, the things that we stand for. Why do we believe what we believe? All of those things are of vital significance. But tonight, I want to... Tackle something as we move forward uh, together. Something that has had people scratching their heads for centuries. And that is tonight, I want to talk to you about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. I want to talk to you from the subject, there is only one true God. There's only one true God. Would you say that with me? There's only one true God so tonight we're going to delve into this and see what it is we really believe about this 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 construct of the trinity god the father god the son and god the holy spirit so in the assemblies of god we have this statement called the 16 fundamental truths it's a, our, one of our founding documents that when our our forefathers in the faith met together after the azusa street revival and they said it's important for us to take world missions around the world. But we need a fellowship. We need a, we need a crew. We need a company. We need to speak the same thing. So they came together and they developed this statement of carefully worded uh, 16 truths that were non-negotiable, non-negotiable for the faith. And so last week we looked at number one, the Scriptures are inspired. We talked about how God's Word is inspired and has been preserved Throughout uh, history, we've talked about how it's illegal in nations across the world. 52 nations of the world it's either difficult or illegal to get access to the Scripture. We talked about translations versus paraphrase and the importance of getting a solid biblical translation for serious study. I mentioned that it's okay. The other stuff's okay for maybe devotional read. But uh, to get real study, you need the good stuff. Amen. And um, so tonight, we're going to tackle number two the truth is is that there's only one true god here's how this reads the statement fundamental truth number two reads like this the one true god has revealed himself eternally self-existent the i am the creator of heaven and earth and the redeemer of mankind he has further revealed himself as embodying the principles of relationship and association as the father son and holy spirit more uh, carefully crafted we say it like this we believe in one god eternally existent in three divine persons the holy trinity now there have been many attempts of people throughout history to try to explain this and and i will tell you even the greatest of theologians will say That the the Trinity, you have to take it by faith because the, the finite mind cannot comprehend everything. I know there are people that try to find out everything they can about God and we should study. Theology is the study of God. But the truth is the Bible says my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways for as the heavens are far above the earth so my thoughts are above your thoughts. And let me tell you something. If you could figure out God, He's not that big. And, uh, and so anyway, He always is, is expanding and blowing our minds. But many people have attempted to, to explain the Trinity like this. Think of something like water, okay? Water, something we drink every day. Our bodies are made of it. We have to have it. We don't have it. We're dehydrated. Well, okay, so you take water, just H2O. So if you put it in the freezer, it becomes ice, right? Ice is a solid, okay? So it is, it is uh, the same substance but yet it's a different form and different purpose. Then you take uh, that same block of ice and you let it fall out and it returns back to water. So you go from solid, then you go to what? Liquid. Well, if you take that, that water and you pour it in a steam iron, if you're getting ready to iron clothes, come on, and uh, you turn it on, that water that was ice that now became liquid now becomes steam, vaporized. Three things that are the same in essence, but yet distinct in purpose. That's one way people have attempted to describe the Trinity. Uh, Another way would be to describe the egg. When you look at the the egg, which by the way, have you priced those things lately? Amen. How many of you are going to find a chicken on sale on Facebook Marketplace when we leave this place tonight? But uh, we we talk about eggs. There's There's the shell of the egg. Then there's the white of the egg. Then there's the yolk of the egg. It's just one egg, but there are three parts in yolk inside the egg. Some people have looked at it that way. Uh, other people have very well related the concept of the Trinity to our humanity, because we're created in God's image. We are a spirit. we have a body. we live. our spirit lives inside this body, and we have a soul. Man is a tripart as well. But I want to tell you that even though all of these things are true, they're the same substance, they're different in purpose, we still must grasp the concept that in the Godhead, there are three distinct persons. Three distinct persons. What that means is is that God, the Father in essence, is God. Jesus, the Son, is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. There are not three gods. There's just one God manifested eternally in three persons. So, we're going to look at this tonight. And I pray that I don't confuse you. But before we jump down this this trail, people say, why is it even important to know this? Well, it's important to know this because when you understand how the Trinity of God works together, you see it all throughout history Recorded human history in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit at work, you see the foreshadowing of Jesus, and you see redemption. All of it is important. And so, uh, I believe that if it's in the Bible, then we ought to pay attention to it. So, there are two thoughts among Christianity. This gets pretty simple. Because when you get into other theological um, doctrines, like we're going to see in several... Weeks from now, when we start talking about the, the, ble- the second coming, the blessed hope, the rapture of the church, oh my goodness, there's like eight different views on that. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a whole lot of views on that. But thank goodness, there are only but two views on the, uh, the triunity nature of God. And so, tonight, briefly, I want to give you both of these. The first one, the first view that is the least common held as it relates to the doctrine of the, the, the essence of God, the, the triunity of God, is what we call sabellianism. That's a fancy word. Um, sabellian, is, sabellian was a, a man. He had a philosophy in, in the early church. It kind of was adopted. You, know, you say, Pastor, I don't know what that is. Yes, you do. You know it by a different name. It's called oneness theology. Mainly by people who are most of the time apostolic, Pentecostal, some people would call them Jesus-only, uh, that type of thing. But here's basically the difference between the two, okay? And so as we look at this, uh, oneness uh, believers or Sabellianism uh, people who subscribe to that thought, they reject the notion of the Trinity stating that Trinitarians believe in three gods, okay? I, was, I pastored in Alexandria, Louisiana, I lived catty-corner from the pastor of the largest oneness church in the southwest, the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And uh, uh, it was so big, my church could fit in the broom closet. Humongous. So many apostolic United Pentecostal believers. And they're all convinced. I have many conversations. I've, I've participated in funerals with many of them. I love them. They don't love me so much. They don't even think I'm saved. But that's beside the point. The point is, they're convinced that we believe in three different gods. But that is not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says there is but one God. So, they hold to the na- notion rather than God in three persons, they hold to the notion that God over the course of time manifested Himself in three different ways. And so, uh, it can get so interesting uh, when, they, when they talk about that, here's what they believe. They believe that Jesus is the Father. Jesus, of course, is the Son. And then they believe Jesus is the Holy Spirit. So, those oneness people who are actually referred to as Jesus only, they reject baptism in any other way than it's only in the name of Jesus. Jesus recorded in Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. They would say, the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. That's what they believe. That's Sabellianism. That is a very minor position among all of Christianity. Most of of Christianity historically and an overwhelming majority of the early church fathers after the apostles died believed in the doctrine of the Trinity. So, let's go a little bit further. Now, us, along with most other people in mainline Christianity, believe in what's called the doctrine of the Trinity, which is God eternally existent in three Persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And while that can be confusing to some, I'm going to attempt tonight, in the next 25 minutes, to bring clarity to this. So, now's a good time to start looking at notes or taking notes. So I want you to track along with me. Uh, Again, we are not going to read every single one of these Scriptures. Um, Tonight, my very first thought, my very first point in teaching tonight, I want to look at the Scriptural basis for the Trinity. I want to look at the Scriptural basis for the Trinity. We've got to ask ourselves, is there a basis in the Scripture for the Trinity of God? We have, we have to wrestle with it. And that goes back to our teaching last week. The Word of God is inspired. If God's Word is inspired, then indeed it's authoritative. And if it's authoritative, it's our final rule of conduct in life. So, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is it in the Bible? Is, is the concept... Of the Scripture in the Bible. Here's the first thing you got to note. Most critics would argue right off the front. And they would say, well, you're starting off terrible because the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And they're absolutely right. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. But that shouldn't trouble you because the word Bible is not in the Bible. Seriously, it's not. You can't find it. Uh, I have another one for you. The word rapture, which we all hold to is, as truth, is not in the Bible. The word is not in the Bible. It's the, the actual transliteration of a Latin word, harpazo, which means to be caught up suddenly with violent force. Okay? So, and the word Bible, by the way, just simply means book. So when it talks about they took the book and they open it, we could easily translate Bible there and it would not be a disservice to the Scripture. So most people would start off and they would say, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, therefore, it's a heretical doctrine because they'll point back to Deuteronomy 6, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And guess what? Those verses and those thoughts are not in contradiction with each other. I'm about to show you. Are you ready? In Genesis chapter 1, you can turn to this one if you would like. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God shows Moses. The uh, whole aspect of creation. And I've got these references here on the, on, the, on the notes, and you can go look at those, but for the sake of time, I'll just quote some of them. But in Genesis chapter 1, I, wa- I want you to look at very first, the very first one. This is in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Notice this now. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then as we go from there, it begins to say, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, and that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. You see, all of this creation aspect but then, uh, as we begin to get down, look at verse number 26. Jump down in your Bible and notice what it says. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So just within the very first 26 verses of the Bible, you see God the Father, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters at creation. And then in Genesis one twenty-six, it says, Let us capital U there, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. See, the thing is, Jesus didn't just show up in the womb of Mary. The Bible said, uh, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, he was preexistent with the Father. In fact, Colossians goes ahead and gives us the record and says that nothing was created that was not created through him. And so in Genesis chapter 1, from the very onset, we see the trinity of God, the triunity of God, working together. Which, by the way, the word trinity is not in the Bible, but the word Godhead is, multiple, multiple times. Um, We see uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 14, uh, this verse If you could throw those up there for me just quickly. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Paul uh, references um, the Godhead multiple, multiple times. Um, Like I said, we won't turn to all of these, but we can turn to some of them. 2 Corinthians uh, 13, and verse number 14. Paul, this is his salutation. Notice this, it says, And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen notice Paul addresses in his 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 uh, departure letter in his last few words to the church of Corinth he says may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen so the apostle recognizes three distinct persons In the Godhead Um, here's another one Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says how God the father anointed Jesus of Nazareth there's the son with the Holy Spirit and power he went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him you see three of the Godhead mentioned right there in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 I'm gonna skip around matthew twenty eight nineteen. i quoted this one at the beginning this was jesus when he was commissioning his disciples he said go into all the world make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit okay now here's one that my 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 oneness friends do not like for me to quote but this one puts a nail in the casket tonight first john chapter 5 verse 7 i want them to put this one on the screen because it's important. First John 5, verse 7. For there are three. How many? There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And look at this. And these three are what? They're one. They're one. You Trinitarian people believe there are three gods. No, we don't. We believe in one God, eternally existent, In three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here's here's the thing. I love the way John puts it out. He says, there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Word, which by the way is what Jesus was referred to before He came to earth and took on flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. So, I want you to see that there is a great scriptural foundation for us to be able to say this is a doctrine that we can believe because it's in the Bible all over. And there are literally over 25 references, I didn't even put those down, of the Trinity in the Bible. But I digress. So tonight we look at the scriptural basis for the for the trinity number 2 here's here's an important one i want to look at the distinction the distinction of the trinity because here's what's important there are three distinct persons three distinct persons of the trinity so here's what we got to understand the scripture teaches a distinction between the persons In the Godhead, which is expressed in specific terms of relationship as Father, as Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke uh, Luke 1, verse 35. And as we look at this passage, it says, And the angel answered, said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, Therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now notice, the Holy Spirit had a distinct work in the life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit wasn't Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was fully God. He overshadowed her and God did a supernatural miracle. There's a distinction of the Godhead all throughout Scripture. I want, you to, I want you to think about this. Go back to Jesus' baptism, okay? John uh, is walking down, or, or rather, John is standing in the, in, the, in the muddy banks of the Jordan River. The Jordan River, by the way, um, everybody wants to be baptized there. It's a very memorial, memorable experience, but the, the Jordan River is very nasty. It's a muddy river. And uh, anyway, John's there, he's baptizing people, when all of a sudden, this long-haired Galilean is walking down the shore. And John recognizes him, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he comes up to John, and Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. And John says, you're crazy. You're the Messiah. Like, you need to baptize me. And he says, no, suffer it not to be so, for it must be done to fulfill all righteousness. And um, we're not going to go into the significance of baptism tonight on why Jesus was baptized. It's a very important question to answer. Uh, and and the, the answer is not just to set a good example for us. It goes way deeper than that. But what, what, what happened was that Jesus, at His baptism, you got to understand, He was 30 years old. 30 years old. Not a, not a, not a second or a, 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 any, any amount longer. There's all prophetic at Jesus' baptism. And so He's 30 years old. And the Bible says, the heavens open up. Son of God is in the water. The heavens open up. And a voice from heaven says, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased amazing now once again like i said my my oneness brothers and sisters i love them some of them they don't think i'm safe but some of them i'm really close with and we have good conversation and so I asked my friend, I said, okay, so you don't believe in the Trinity, okay, you don't believe in the Trinity, you, you believe not, not one God and three persons, you believe one God, three manifestations. I said, okay, so how do you explain Jesus' baptism? Because you have Jesus in the water, and then the heavens are opening up, and there's a voice. I said, so if there's just but one, one person and three manifestations, then who is Jesus, who's talking from heaven? And you know, this man literally told me what Jesus was being a ventriloquist. He was throwing his voice from heaven. Now, your response was a little like mine. And again, I'm not trying to make light. These are sincere theological arguments that, that men much smarter than me have wrestled over. And so he said, well, Jesus throwing his voice from heaven. And, I, you know, God is God. He can do whatever He wants to. But, but the truth of the matter is, is, that, is that there are three distinct persons and, and being able right now, the Holy Spirit is here on the earth. Right? At the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. John prophesied that and laid that truth in there. He said, when the Spirit of the truth comes... Um, he'll lead you and guide you in all truth. And it says, um, at, at that time when He comes, He won't just be with you, but He shall be in you. He gives us the, the truth of salvation. And then we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, I'll send another, another comforter, one like me. One just like me. There, uh, the word uh, uh, like me, when Jesus t- talks in John, I'll send another comforter. He said it'll be one like me. There are two words there that you can be used: allulose or uh, heteros. Heteros means um, of a different kind. It's where we get the term heterosexual. Amen. God's way of, of procreation. A man is supposed to love a woman, and a woman is supposed to love a man. All right? Jesus didn't. Uh, Jesus did not use. Um, uh, the word uh, allulos, which means one just like me, He, he uses the word heteros, which means like me, but of a different kind. So, he's saying that there is one coming after me. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be like me, but he's not going to be just like me. Because the Godhead has three distinct personalities. Three distinct persons. There are people, again, I, I hope you came to learn tonight, um, most of all Christianity, uh, except the fact that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. Okay? Now, let me figure out how I want to word this here. Okay? Um, there are certain branches and offshoots of religion. I will say it like that. Um, for instance, like Jehovah's Witness, which by the way, again, not bashing, if you have family that are Jehovah's Witness, you have to understand Jehovah's Witness is not saying, is, is, that's not like saying Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Pentecostal. They, it doesn't even fit in the same box. Really, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Um, because what they believe about Jesus, what they believe about His death, burial, and resurrection, what they, they don't leave, believe He was the Son of God. They believe He was a God, of, a God among gods. In fact, they believe Jesus was Michael the archangel. But they don't believe the Holy Spirit is a person. They believe the Holy Spirit is a force. God's active force. Like Star Wars or something. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit does have some force. But the Bible is distinct that He is a person. Listen, the Scripture talks about the Father speaking from heaven. He wrote the law with His finger. Must mean He has a spirit body. God is a spirit. Uh, But also, He has emotions. The Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled. That's a person. Jesus spoke. Jesus wept. That's smallest verse in the Scripture. Jesus wept at the situation with Lazarus. Uh, uh, Jesus um, rebuked the devil with great fervor, with passion. Um, and so, we see uh, the divine characteristics of God in the Father. We see the divine characteristics of God in the Son. But let's look at the divine personality of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts chapter 9 says that as they fasted and they prayed, that the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and and Barnabas. I may have got that reference wrong, but separate Paul and Barnabas for the work into I've called them. The Holy Spirit spoke. Then Paul says in the book of Ephesians, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve When you grieve something, grieve is a very strong emotion. Then also in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, and the, or Galatians rather, he says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now see, here a fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. But I want I want to back up. Joy is like at this apex of emotional experience. Grieving is at the other end of the experience. And the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit having fruit that causes joy. And uh, then he mentions us being able to grieve the Holy Spirit. So I want you to think about this. It must be that the Holy Spirit is a person. Not a force, not a goose bump, not a good feeling. The Holy Spirit is God Himself. There is a distinction in each person of the Triune Godhead. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and the Spirit is not the Son, and the Spirit is not the Father. The the Father is the Father, the Spirit is the Spirit, the Son is the Son, but all three of them are God. Now, that may still make you walk away and scratch your head, but the Bible simply teaches that there are three God, uh, one God, please don't take a sound bite, somebody, and get my slip of the tongue there. There's one God eternally existent in three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You even see it in, in redemption. The, the third thing, I want to see the unity of the Godhead. The unity of the Godhead. One person said, the Father thought it, the Son bought it, and the Spirit brought it. Now, I don't know how theologically accurate that is, but it sounded pretty cool to me. You see how God works throughout redemption. Now, let's look at the unity of the Godhead. Accordingly, therefore, there is that in the Father which constitutes Him the Father, not the Son... There is in the Son that constitutes Him the Son and not the Father. And there is in the Spirit which constitutes Him the Spirit, not the Father or the Son. Wherefore, the Father is the begetter, the Son is the begotten, and the Holy Spirit is the one proceeding from the Father and the Son. Therefore, because these three persons in the Godhead are in a state of unity, there is but one Lord Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That statement in the Old Testament that speaks of the singularity of God does not contradict the fact that God has expressed Himself in three persons, mainly Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Tonight, we have... to the conclusion of this particular Bible study, but I pray that even though this is a tough subject for for people to grasp mentally, it it, it is, it is. Sometimes I think about it, it makes my head hurt. But the main point that I wanted to drive home tonight is this one scripture, 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So, if you ever come across somebody and they say, Oh, do you you believe in the Trinity? You believe in three gods. You can say, No, we don't believe in three gods. You write this scripture down. Say, We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God eternally existent in three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me close with this. Why do we say eternally existent? Because the Father is eternal. The Son is eternal. Jesus right now still is in existence seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is on the earth ministering and moving and will continue to do so until the culmination of all things. And so I wanted you to see tonight something that's so difficult but yet so beautiful as the Trinity of God. Next week I want to talk to you about the deity of Christ. I have something that I have been sitting on for a while that I'm literally shaking inside to want to show you um, concerning Jesus and his pre-incarnation, meaning he existed before the womb of Mary. And there's a statement that Jesus actually makes to the Pharisees that literally enraged them so much. But when you look at it, it's extremely beautiful. And so, tonight, we're done with our study. Close your Bible. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you tonight. And uh, I just want to encourage you, for those of you who are reading through your Bible this year, uh, keep on. Don't get stuck in Leviticus. It gets better, I promise. Just keep on moving. Keep on trucking. Uh, you get through there. But um, the important thing is, is not how much you read. The importance is understanding what you read. Or as I, as I shared with somebody this week, if you're not a good reader, some people struggle with reading or dyslexia or maybe their eyes shift on them a little bit, throw the audio Bible on and just listen and uh, let the Word of God give you strength in your life. And uh, for those of you who are fasting, keep on. I encourage you, uh, just keep praying. Remember, if you, you, can, you can pray without fasting, but you can't biblical fast without prayer. And so if you're not praying while you're fasting, you're just going hungry but uh, you're supposed to substitute that with time to pray. So, I encourage you to do so. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, I thank You for Your church.